Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talker United Yellow Army podcast created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talker United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at Acast. So welcome along to the Henderson Hughes support bubble for this week's podcast. Are you well, Richard? The so we're in, we're in a, actually, do you know, I did think we could probably do this face to face, but I'm not sure the microphone is up to a two meters distance. So uh, perhaps we'll have to just keep it like this for a little bit longer. I've got a studio in my house, not I? But we can't do it in the house, of course. That's no. Right, so, no. Yeah. so it's all still a little bit fluid, a little bit confusing, but there we'll we give go. Give it a couple of weeks, guys, and then we'll, we'll reconsider. We'll be out. We'll be Is able to. Is it three weeks to wait for these decisions? I think so. Won't be long before we can go back down to Bob's Beach Hut again, and we can do um, we can do one of the summer podcasts right. on the on the prom. First things first, congratulations down That's the road right. to Plymouth Argyle, who have found themselves promoted this week. Now that everything's all the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed in the football league, um, and Exeter are in the playoffs, aren't they? They are officially. Yeah, you have to look at. Uh the fact that Plymouth were promoted and Exeter now have to go through the playoffs with with some disbelief, really, because all season Exeter were up in the top three. Yeah. I think this might have been the first time they dropped out of the top three. And Plymouth, uh, around Christmas time, were almost still looking over their shoulder at relegation. Yeah, Or just right. before Christmas time. Um, you know, they were bottom at some point. So it's that's a remarkable switch around. It is. Um, but yeah, well done to, to, to them. And uh, we'll be interested to see how it works out with Exeter. They've got Colchester away yeah. on Friday week. So tomorrow week. Um, that'll be interesting because at the moment, of course, they, they're not allowed to travel on a coach together and they're not allowed to stay in a hotel. How are they going to manage that then? How on Apparently, earth are they going to manage that? Players driving up individually on the day. That's it's it's a straight. We're still in a very odd place, aren't we? And when it comes to the uh, yeah, the game uh, at St. St James's Park, there will be cardboard supporters there. I gather from looking on Twitter today. Will there? Will there, there will be. Uh, there are no no jokes, no no smart Alec comments from me about Exeter City and cardboard supporters. <laughs> it's just it's, it is ridiculous. I mean. On the one hand, Matt Taylor must be delighted that they're in the playoffs because yeah. it gives them a chance to go up, although he will be annoyed that they, they kind of threw away that chance um, in the league. I don't think he will blame the league for the points averaging system that, that made them drop from fourth to, f- to the fifth because they're mm-hmm. already outside the playoffs anyway. One, one place drop doesn't make any difference. Of course, um, conversely, Peterborough uh, in, the, in, in, in League One were third, two going automatically up. They were third. And Wickham, who were eighth, went up to third and replaced them through the points averaging system. So, how can that work? I it's... mean, I, I, I'm not surprised Barry Fry and um, uh, the, the, the people up there, Darren Ferguson's the manager, and I can't remember the other chairman's name, but I can't, I'm not surprised that they're, they're fuming up there. But, you know, the, the seasons have to end somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, the, the, the clubs have voted for these decisions. Yeah. So, you know... They had to find a way out of it somehow, didn't they? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to pull the door kid while Bertie's uh, downstairs bar- barking at a tradesman. Okay, you, you postman's late today, isn't he? Perhaps it's not the postman, perhaps it's somebody uh, else. I've just seen someone drop in there, because obviously I live in a, a sort of, where there's flats, and I've just seen some, someone draw up to do some work at someone's house, I think, so I see. Bertie will be barking until he, until he disappears from the car park. That's fine, he's just doing his job, he's earning all those treats that you keep giving him. Mm. Um, so yeah, again, good luck to Exeter. Congratulations to Argyle. A little bit of a heads up. N for next week. N is for no podcast next week because I'm on annual leave next week. So we thought we'd give you listeners a week off as well. We'll give you a week off the podcast. Um, it's summer after all, isn't it? I won't be going anywhere exciting. I'll be on the English Riviera, but um, let's take a week off the podcast. Is that okay with you? Yeah, well, all right. I could just talk to myself for an hour, which I don't think would be the best thing to do. I did do a solo podcast once and it didn't come across terribly well, so uh, I don't think... Uh, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what we'll do. If there's a big story breaks at Torquay, we'll, um, we will reconvene and we'll do a bit of a special. But uh, yeah, out for that. Yeah. So what's happening in the National League, Richard? You've been following everything. The reason the podcast is a little well, bit late this week is because we thought there might have been the meeting by now, but it's not happening until this evening, is it? Yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I texted you this morning, Guy, didn't I? I said, I, I, I said, why don't we do the podcast a bit later? Because uh, the meeting's happening, the big meeting is happening today yeah. of the National League and the FA. And, uh, you know, if we leave it a bit later, we might have some news out of there. Uh, often, sometimes clubs leak. I mean, Torquay wouldn't do that, but we, we, we have seen clubs leak information out to, to people um, from inside meetings, so I was wondering if something might come out, but it doesn't look like anything's come out. Um, and then um, I was, I was, I was reading, just, just, just having a look around to see if there's any news anywhere, and I discovered the meeting was at five o'clock. So actually, it makes no there difference. So here we are. Um, you know, we're here, and uh, and the meeting is on. It, it hasn't even started. It starts at five. Um, so we'll, it'll we'll, be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So. I mean, um, so the Football League, just to get this straight, the Football League have gone for, they went for that points averaging system, which has worked out automatic promotions like Argyles, and it's worked out a playoff system like Exeter's, and they will then play the play the playoff games behind closed doors to find out who else gets promoted. So That's, that's completely right. So the National... And that's what do we, I am expecting. Yeah. And that's what I am expecting to be the case in the National League. The only caveat to that is that they they could promote Barrow and Harrogate as second yeah. and, and not go through the not go through playoffs. But um, that will upset obviously another I mean of course the playoffs in, in the National League are six teams, not four yeah. as it is in the football league. So there's more teams to upset, but we'll we'll see what happens. But um, ultimately the the, the League two are going to have to relegate one team now. Yeah. Um, and uh, possibly two. Um, now, they, they, they would have relegated two under ordinary circumstances. And then one, one team would have gone up, let's say Barrow, because they're top. And one team would have gone up through the playoffs. Um, Originally, League Two voted that they didn't want relegation, but that got scuppered by the EFL, who said you've got to have relegation. So we're back with relegation. Stevenage came bottom. Yeah. Um, under under points averaging, they will still be bottom, 
and they should be relegated and replaced by Barrow. Yeah. So let's, let, that, that's fine. That, that's that one done. The other caveat is that Berry, who were in the league at the start of the season, went bust, and so there is another place available. And so only one team will go down, but two can go up because that's how the figures work. Fair enough. The other caveat is Macclesfield, who are second from bottom, just just above Stevenage, uh, have a case with the FA pending where they could be deducted enough points to go below Stevenage. (laughs) You couldn't make it up, could you? No. So that that will run its course. Um, And then the other one is that the FA have... um, Sorry, the... The EFL have said this is all dependent on the National League um, starting next season properly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, That's going to happen. It'll be late. We know that. Gary Johnson said that this week in the newspaper. He did. But it's all dependent on there being a league for the two relegated teams or the one relegated team, sorry, one relegated team to play in. So it's clear as much, isn't it? Yeah. Again, I mean, doesn't it just underline Gary Johnson's point from a couple of weeks ago that the, the sooner they can bring the National League in line with the EFL so that all of these decisions are made at the same time and in some kind of harmony, um, it just that would just make perfect sense, wouldn't it? Because we'd know by now. It would. It would, but harmony doesn't always work like that. I, I think I, I read a few speculation pieces about what, what would happen from this National League meeting today. And everyone is expecting that to happen. What everyone is expecting to happen is for two mm. two teams to go up, and that will either be by um, playoffs being played, yeah, with Barrow going straight up, or Barrow going straight up and Harrogate being given the opportunity to go up because they were second. Yeah. So that's fine. Underneath that, the National League are expecting to actually cancel any promotion from. Uh, from from the south and the north, so they're the same setup, but they're having one rule for one and one rule for yeah. the other again. Now I guess that's prob- probably because there can be no no uh, promotion from the southern league, the northern league, the midland league. No. You know the, 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 those those steps below. They've already decided they're not they're not having promotion and relegation. So where where, where you can't really have relegation from. From, from those two divisions, the National South and National North. But that also means that there'll be no, no relegation from the National North. Uh, sorry, from the National League. <laughs> so the fourteen yeah, so complicated. I, if, I have nightmares, Guy. I'm not surprised. If ever there was a good season to be stuck in the middle of the table, not looking up and not looking down, this is probably it then, isn't it? There's, the points equalisation I, I, system won't move our place in the league at all, will it? I shouldn't be doing a history degree. I should be doing an economics degree. You should. I think, to get my head around it. You should. Um, yeah, but so so the points sorry, e- points equalisation is not going to change our position in the league at all, is it? Or is it going to move us one or two places? Um, it's not going to move us any anywhere of significance. No. Uh, I haven't looked to be honest because it's it's never going to move us. Uh, we're never going to do a Wickham and go up from eighth <laughs> to third and win promotion. If only. Um, how much fun would that well be? Well done, Wickham. There we go. Yeah, well done to them. So, clear as mud. By the time you listen to this podcast, it may be clearer, but um, we'll, we'll just we'll wait and see what happens there. 
We're moving on yeah, to absolutely. moving on to the alphabet of Talk United. There's a player and uh, quite a big character in the history of Talk United that we missed a long time ago, um, back when we were on the letter C, Richard, which you pointed up this morning because you spotted him in an article somewhere else. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Tony yeah, Collins. Yeah, I was just reading a, 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 an article related to the current situation um, going on in the world with um, Black Lives Matter, etc. And uh, it just occurred to me that we'd completely missed the fact that Tony Collins was Torquay's first black player um, in the 50s. Um, he went on to be uh, manager of... Uh, Rochdale and took them to the, the League Cup final. He was the first ever black manager in, in, in Britain. Um, he then, after that, went on to be a scout for Don Revy at Leeds and Don Revy with England. And um, he also uh, did, did some scouting for Man U, which apparently, according to the interview that I, sorry, the, the article I read, resulted in him spotting Lee Sharp at Torquay. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of Torquay United history there. He was. He, he was um, he, he was discovered by a scout playing during the, the Second World War, yeah. uh, playing football for his army team, and that scout had uh, uh, connections with Sheffield United, who, when he got back um, from from his army uh, duties in the Second World War, he signed for Sheffield Wednesday, and he went on to play for Watford twice, Torquay, Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean it was a. Um, it was a good career, and, and, and he he played seventy odd games or something for us, which yeah. uh, you know is, is, is quite a lot. Two seasons he was with us. So an oversight on our part, but uh, he's got. Uh, there's a book about him, out, isn't there? Because I saw it in the office when we back in the days when we had the office over in Torquay. There was a book about him around the office. So if anybody wants to seek that out, uh, not our copy, obviously, but uh, there is a book about him around. It should be an interesting yeah, story I mean, to tell. In, the, in these times, you know, it is. It is a significant story, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. So um, that's him added to our A to Z. So we're on M this week. Thank you again to Julian for flagging a few bits and pieces. M for mini stand. Oh, yeah, of course. I I did venture over there when I was a child occasionally, but mainly I sat between my dad and my granddad. But um, my, my biggest memory of the mini stand guy is... Uh, is Stuart Morgan and that team celebrating with Kansa Hofmeister after <laughs> after saving their skins in uh, 86 or 87, whatever it was. It was a great place to mini-stand, though, in the, in the 70s, um, when we were all finding our way as Torquay United supporters, when you used to tie your silk scarf around your wrist and go marching into the mini-stand for a Saturday night kick-off. Um, yeah, guy. Mm -hmm. Guy, double denim? Probably. Double probably denim. done a double denim. Yeah. Possibly a rally jacket in the middle of winter as well. Yeah, all of those Good things. Stuff. Of course, in those <laughs> in those days, you could um, you could move freely within the ground. So you would go down behind the Babacom end goal for one half, uh, and then you'd be back up in the mini stand for the other. Although sometimes uh, there were visiting teams who would attempt to take the mini stand. Um, these are the bad old yeah. days, of course. We don't want to go back to these ever. But I don't ever remember feeling in any great peril in the mini stand, apart from one game where we played against Watford, when Watford were down in our division, uh, but they had a very, very large contingent of fans. And I remember standing in the mini stand with my scarf around my wrist, reading the programme, cup of soup in my hand, and suddenly coming under a hail of bits of concrete that they were pulling up from the uh, 
the railway sleepers next to the mini stand and hurling at us. And uh, to be honest, I think we did uh, we did make our excuses and leave for a little while in there. That was a bit yeah, of a hairy there were a day. Of game, couple of games I can remember around that period as well. Fortunately, I was, set, I was sitting in the, the grandstand, which was uh, you know not so much a target for uh, for away uh, hoolies at the yeah. time. But uh, I mean, it, 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 those were the times, weren't they? And uh, um, unfortunately, that's what happened occasionally uh, yeah. in football. Times have changed. You know, massively and 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 mostly for the better. So so you know, but but we do have those memories. We do, we do. Strange little stand it was too. When you see pictures of it, it looks absolutely tiny. But when you were in there, when it was full, when it was heaving, when Torquay were playing well, um, it not quite the copper Anfield, but as close as we're going to get at Playmore, I think. So uh, I miss the mini stand. Yeah. Always refer to that end yeah. of the ground in my live match blog as the mini stand end. It is the family stand, but uh, will always be the mini stand then. Another bit of geography at the ground as well. M is for Marnham Road, where yep. defenders... Many, many a ball ended <laughs> up in Marnham Road. It's another thing that very often goes into people's uh, match reports is, uh, well, that's the, uh, that's the first ball this evening that's ended up in a garden out in Marnham Road. If you're one of the people who lives in Marnham yep. Road, you could have built a fair collection of footballs over the years, I imagine. I imagine you could, and and uh, of course, from our elevated view nowadays in the press box, where we can see almost see over the top of the of the roof of the stand opposite. Um, I, there was one player last season who managed to punt it over the top of the houses of Marnham Road and into the back garden. I remember. I can't remember who that was. I think it was an away player, but that that got us, got us chuckling. Yeah. I wonder how many people have done that. Not very many, I wouldn't have thought. But uh, yeah. the the famous team that came and did that, um, Scarborough. When Scarborough were first in the league, there was a game up there, uh, Torquay Scarborough. If I remember, it was a night game, and Scarborough hoofed everything out of the ground. They came, they came to defend, and they absolutely lumped everything as far as they could. There were balls ending up in Marnham Road. There were a couple that ended up in the school over the back. Um, uh, hence the chant from the pop side for many years, if a team does resort to long ball, I use Scarborough in disguise, and it all goes back to that night. There, there are, uh, one of the jobs of the youth team uh, when I was working for the club back in the early early two thousand late nineties two thousand was one of the one of the, you know they would they would hang around uh, inside the ground and as soon as a, a ball went out the ground one of them would be dispatched to <laughs> to run off after this valuable object that j- just left the uh, the playing arena. Moving right along with the A to Z this week, okay, two of the A to Z or two people in our A to Z. Um, there actually there will be mentions of Aldershot later on. I have to warn you the um, the following A to Z may contain traces of Aldershot. Uh, meditating, so be fine. <laughs> we've got two people who went to World Cups, and the first of them is Norman Medhurst. Norman Medhurst. Oh, cool. oh, yeah, how did I? I should have prepared for this because I've got some lovely stories about Norman. I, he was at the club when I was when I was there and of course he was still still with England while I was there as well yeah and you know if anyone watches the um the uh 86 um penalty shootout yeah is it the 80 to 90 yeah 90. Italia 90 uh Italia 90 England penalty shootout semi-final um Bobby Robson is sitting next to Norman Medhurst on the on the bench as the as the uh the penalty the, the the, the big penalty is missed and Norman Norman puts his arm around him and uh, consoles him. Uh, it, Norman was such a nice bloke. He was, very Just much so. really nice bloke. 
to to work with. He used to uh, regale me with stories on the coach, um, tell me about little bits and pieces that uh, probably can't be broadcast because these were the days of Paul Gascoigne and uh, yeah, etc. etc. But um, really, 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 really quiet. Not 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 very sort. Of, you know, he did his job and he lived in Abbots Kerswell and um, you know and ended up retiring to France. He was the physio, of course, which we probably haven't already said. He was talky. Oh, yeah. He was Chelsea physio. He was talky physio. He was England physio. Uh, was it? Che- it was Chelsea, wasn't it? That he came from. Yeah, his dad, his dad was the Chelsea physio, and he followed in his dad's footsteps at <laughs> Chelsea. But he was—he was a great um, guy. Great, great guy. I, I can't remember who who it was, but someone. Oh, it was Dave Webb, Chelsea connection. Yeah. It was Dave Webb who rang him. Dave Webb needed a physio. Uh, Dave Dave Webb rang Norman Medhurst and said, "Norman, I need a physio f- for down here at Torquay. Is there anyone you can think of that might like the job?" And Norman was England's physio at the time, and he said, "Yeah, I'll have it." <laughs> he wanted to move out. Yeah, good for it's, so That's uh, how he ended up at Torquay. Of course, he did have a short time at Plymouth as well. He went to Plymouth after a couple of years, yeah. and then he came back to Torquay and eventually retired. 2005 or something like that I think he was responsible for, for giving us at the Herald Express some of the best football exclusives we've ever had because during Italia 90 we'd set up this uh, routine where I would ring Norman uh, in the team hotel um, I don't think it was every day it was every few days I'd ring Norman days before mobile phone so I'd ring the reception phone Norman would come down and we'd have a little chat and we'd do a little Norman's diary and you know before the key games He'd tell us a little bit about what was happening in the England camp. And this developed during the course of the World Cup to the point where he would um, he'd have a look around the lobby and see who was around. And he'd say, who do you want to speak to? And I'd say, well, who have you got? And he says, well, Gary Lineker sat over there. Do you want a word with Gary? Yeah, go on, put Gary on. So we'd have a little chat with Gary Lineker, chat with Bobby Robson. It was going really, really well. And it was the day before one of the big games in the World Cup. I forget which game it was. I don't think it was the semi-final. And I said something to Norman. I said, well, any idea what the team is? Because there were some injury doubts over some players there. And he said, well, I can tell you who was wearing the bibs and who wasn't wearing the bibs in training this afternoon. And so he reeled off the team, you know, the England team that had been wearing the bibs. And this was a massively closely guarded secret. And I had it. (laughs) So the Herald Express the night before, whether it was the quarterfinal or something, we had the expected England team straight from the horse's mouth which none of the other papers had. It was one of those times when you get an exclusive that's so good, you don't really know what to do with it. So we put it in the Herald <laughs> Express, and Herald Express readers had the England team before anybody else did, and that was uh, that was thanks to Norman. So, uh, no, yeah. he was, you know, Norman was, was great, great fun to work with. Uh, he, he uh, yeah, uh, really nice bloke. Yeah, good guy, good guy. Okay, well, it leads us on then to uh, Mod Deck Windows. There's another one in the end. Oh, yeah. Talkie United. You think of a Talkie United shirt as your brain, as your mind goes back over the years, and you can't think of a Talkie United shirt without Mod Deck Windows on it. Of course, that being the company of Mike Bateson, uh, who was the chairman for a I very, very long time. The thing about Mike Bateson and Mod Deck is that, that before they got involved with Talkie, he was supporting the South Devon League teams, Western League teams. You know, he was. He, he was sponsoring a lot of local football and other sports as well. He always, always had his heart in sport um, yeah. and uh, obviously ended up buying Talk United in the end. But um, 
Mod deck to me is also, you know, emblazoned on Newton Abbott Spurs programs, yeah. and Brixham United programs, and you know, they, he sponsored those leagues and some of those teams, and you know, people who put their money into sport or or people who put their money into anything that that you know, uh, charity wise or, or community wise should should be applauded, really, I guess. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So Mod Deck Windows, you will always, if you had to list the sponsors of Talk United going back over the years, you'd remember probably half a dozen of them, but I guarantee you the top one on your uh, on your list would be Mod Deck Windows. It would, it would. Maidstone comes up next. So I think we'll brush over Maidstone. Knocked us out of the FA Cup twice, knocked us out in 1990, knocked us out in 2019. So Maidstone deserve a mention on the A to Z, but um, we'll we'll move along. Fairly quickly. To Manchester United. Who? Manchester United. Two friendlies spring to mind. Manchester United. Um, I think I was at both of these, if I remember rightly. 1972, there was a friendly... I wasn't at that one. Um, I believe it was a testimonial match. I can't remember. Was it Mal Lucas's testimonial match? I think it might have been. Um, but the talk, the uh, Manchester United team that day, uh, Bobby Charlton, Dennis Law, Brian Kidd, George Best was not playing. As far as I can remember, George Best didn't play in that. I stand to be corrected on that one. Talk, uh, Manchester United were managed then by Franco Farrell and his, uh, his number two was Malcolm Musgrove. So obviously the talkie connections are strong both before and after this uh, game. Uh, I have a guess. Uh, uh, Farrell. Yeah. O'Farrell, a three-time manager, and Musgrove, a one-time manager, of course. Have a guess who the referee was. Oh, was it? Was it? Was <laughs> it, it? It was Leicester Chapter. Um, good job you said that. His name, I knew who I was talking about, but his name had gone completely out of my head then. Leicester refereed that one. Has it? Yeah, slight... I mean, of course it was. A slightly poignant note to that one, also playing for Manchester United that day, was a terrific fullback called Tony Dunn. Uh, who died this week? It was a piece in the lovely piece in the Guardian about him yesterday. Um, but Tony Dunn was in that Manchester United team that played in 1972. I think he played in the '68 European Cup winning team, um, a proper stalwart of that team. One of those players like Pat Creran, maybe who doesn't quite get the uh, the headlines that the Charltons, the Bests, the Laws, and the kids get. But uh, what a great player, great fullback. I don't remember the result of that one, and I can't find it anywhere, so somebody will probably remind us of that. But here's one. Uh, Tony Brown's testimonial match against Manchester United resulted in a 4-2 victory for Torquay. Of course it did. They were 4-0 up at half-time. <coughs> oh, really? According to a contemporary newspaper report of the day, David Butler scored twice for Torquay. He was a new arrival back then. This was a pre-season match, as far as I recall, but it was Tony Brown's testimonial. Willie Young and Steve Cooper got the other goals for Torquay, put them 4-0 up at half-time. Ray Wilkins and Lou Macari scored for Manchester United in the second half. It finished 4-2. Dave Butler only, only, only played six games for Torquay. Did he really? Well, wherever he yeah. is... Wherever he is now, and you hope he's he's um, he's doing something great as we all do with all these Talk United players that you lose touch with, you really hope they're doing something fabulous now. Um, he will always be able to dine out on the fact that he scored twice against a, a star-studded Manchester United team. Yeah, 
what year was it? Because that's that says eighty one that Dave Dave Butler signed. Yeah, that would be it. That would be it because this would have been at the start of that season. So right at the beginning of that season, eighty one. Uh, and of course, Manchester United were just building a bit of a dynasty there again, weren't they? They would be in the FA Cup final a couple of years later, um, and things would start to come together for them. Obviously, the early the early eighties and late seventies were Liverpool's years, and, mm. and they were they were I wouldn't say second second best, but they were you know their crown had been taken from them for a while, hadn't they? And of course, it wasn't until um, Alex Ferguson turned up again that they they, they yeah they they pushed ahead of Liverpool in the stakes again. Uh, we should mention FC United of Manchester. At this point as well, we played yeah. them. Played them once. I watched this on YouTube this morning. By the way, at the time we would normally have been recording the podcast, I thought, let's see if there's anything on this. And there are highlights of the match. It looks like a cracking game. It was the second of February two thousand and fifteen, the quarterfinals of the FA Trophy. Three thousand eight hundred and five fans in the ground. Uh, 1,300-odd FC United of Manchester fans in the away end. There were flares going off. There were banners and flags everywhere. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. If I, whenever anybody says the FA Trophy doesn't really matter, we don't like the FA Trophy very much, I always go back to that game because that was a great afternoon at Playmore. Uh, it was it was proper cup football, wasn't it? I it mean, was. we, knew, we we were expecting it anyway. They, they, they had a lot of support at the time. I'm not sure if their their support has settled down now, but of course they'd only been around for a couple of years. And on the back of the uh, Glazers being in charge of of Manchester United, the FC of United of Manchester became the breakaway club. Yeah, with people with some considerable amount of money involved, so it wasn't like it was um, you know starting from scratch. Uh, we're in a park in, you know, in no. Cholton. It was, you know, it was, it was uh, people with money actually starting as as high as the uh, the FA would allow them to, which was pretty high, if I remember rightly, and that caused a bit of consternation with other other non-league teams. But no, um, they had a lot of support. They bought a lot, of, and of course, it would have been one of their biggest games as well for yeah. you know yeah. uh, in, in in competition. Um, when, when they came down and, and uh, a nice place to come down in the summer as well and all that business and uh, there was a lot of flares around and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was proper, yeah. Couple, yeah. proper football proper football and Talky One um, if you do watch the highlights on YouTube uh, Ryan Bowman Talky never usually win those kind of games no. so it was nice it was eight minutes from the end Ryan Bowman takes the ball round the keeper rather beautifully and slots it in, but there's still time for um, FC United and Manchester to hit the bar about two minutes from the end. So um, I've, I've ruined it for you there, but it's worth a look. It's worth a look online anyway. And before we move into the M team, a mention for Manchester City, just to keep the City fans happy. Uh, Julian found a programme cover from 1990 when Torquay played Manchester City in what was then the Rumbelows Cup. And quite remarkably, uh, we lost 4-0 at Plainmore that night in the first leg. Second leg, we went to Main Road and drew 0-0. Where's the logic in that? Absolutely. Just a word on Manchester City, of course, is, is that was the exciting bit about uh, when we were hoping to be promoted to uh, whatever it was, Division 3 or, or League 2 or whatever it was. And I think it was Division 3. Uh, uh, the Rodney Jack uh, season, 
the playoff season because Man City had been relegated to that level that season. Yes, of course. Uh, it would have been it would have been, would have been interesting to see Torquay playing Man City in the same division in a league uh, which game. Wembley and it didn't happen. Who'd have thought? Right, let's have a little look at the team here. We, we, there are so many M players. We've got a team, we've got a bench, and we've got a list of players who didn't make it. So we'll we'll crack through okay. these. But there are some players who we will dwell on because they're big uh, big names in the history of Talk United. The first one being goalkeeper Mike Mahoney. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant okay. goalkeeper. Uh, played 166... 167 games between 1970 and 1975. I found a couple of pictures of him. He looks as if he's running in a haircut for Noddy Holder. But um, he, he moved to Newcastle. <laughs> I'm a fine one to talk. But yeah, he, he moved to Newcastle from Playmore. He's a legend up at Newcastle. Very, very popular uh, player up at Newcastle United. Played in the States for Chicago. Played in Long Beach. Played in Los Angeles. Uh, and the most recent entry on Wikipedia, he's coaching at Bristol Manor Farm. So whether he's gone back to his uh, hometown, I don't know whether he's still there. Is he really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. That's quite a good story if he is. Yeah, he's well, he was. That, that's a mention on Wikipedia. He may not still yeah. be there, but uh, he certainly was there at one time. Uh, yeah, fantastic goalkeeper. Always remember Mike playing yeah. in those early 70s games. Jim McNichol, of course. We mentioned... Mention the dog. Don't mention the dog. Well, we mentioned him last week in the other context. A long, illustrious career. and People only ever remember the dog. But let's think about... Uh, he was Player of the Year uh, for Torquay in that season. He played 162 games for Torquay. He also played for Luton, Brentford. He played for Exeter twice. He played for Torquay twice. He was in the Sherpa Van Trophy final with us in 1989. And he, uh, he ran a very, very good pub indeed out at the Exeter in Ashburton. And if you want to see what fine fettle he's in these days, there's a very, very good video promo for the 1899 beer, which Jim is in. He's in it, is he? He's in it. Yeah, it's, well a, it's a very, very good uh, bit, bit of filming by a Talk United fan, by Johnny Finnis, the uh, Talk United fan. It's very good. Jim's in it. Have a look. Alongside... Uh, I, met, I met Jim. Yeah? I might have said this before. I met Jim uh, many years ago. He was a friend of the landlord of my local pub, and we, we, we sat and had a, a couple of pints one day. But of course, you know, he was he was always still. Oh God, everyone just wants to talk about the dog. Yeah, but let's talk about the the, the blameless career. Many many games that he played apart from that, and a fabulous defender, great header of the ball. Nineteen goals. There's another one. Eighteen of them headers. Do you reckon? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. 18 of them headers. There was a time when Torquay used to have a routine going where somebody would flick on a corner at the near post and Jim McNichol would arrive at the far post with a powerful downward header, which more often than not was on target. Um, a lot of goals came that way. Alongside yeah. alongside him, Brian McGlinchey. Brian McGlinchey. Who, yeah, uh, who, I thought Brian McGlinchey the player. He was important part of that promotion team. He, yeah, he was in that team, wasn't he? He was part of that team. He was here from 2003 to 2006. He'd been at Manchester City early in his career. Then he was at Port Vale, Gillingham. Uh, he played for Argyle, played a lot of games for Argyle. But I hadn't realised quite how young he was. He was only 28 when he had to retire through injury. Brian McGlinchey, he's not that old now. Yeah, yeah I remember he, got, he had to retire. I can't remember what the injury was, but um, it was obviously something that, that, that couldn't be couldn't be cleared out. Uh, he was a good player, yeah. Uh, 
defenders like that, experienced defenders playing at that level, are always always worth a, yeah. a few quid, aren't they? Uh, along to the two centre backs in this uh, in this team. This is a stellar team, by the way. The two centre backs at the first one, Angus Red Mist McDonald is uh, is in there at centre back. Uh, Angus, the uh, Alexandra Burke's other half. Angus was uh, with us from. He played ninety eight games for us up till two thousand sixteen. He got sent off in his debut uh, when he played for Salisbury. He liked to card Angus, but what a hard nut! What a player to have in the centre of your defence. He was he was he was with us a couple of times, wasn't he? he, he yeah. uh, and eventually signed properly again, and uh, you know was with us for a couple of seasons. I always remember the first day I uh, I went down with David Thomas to meet Paul Cox when Paul Cox became the manager. Yeah, and uh, it was it was just just before pre season, I'm, I'm guessing, and uh, we were sitting in the in. In, in, in Paul's office, just having a chat, doing an interview, and um, there was a knock at the door. And Angus, yeah, of course, Paul had never met any of the players, but Angus, Angus knocked on the door and put his head round, and said hello, hello to the new manager. And I'm just going in the gym, uh, and then he, he wandered off to the gym. And Paul looked at me, and Dave went like the look of him. <laughs> yeah, he's a good player, and will continue to be a good player. I mean, the good news for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, he had a, a scare with bowel cancer last year. He's had the all clear on that. Now he's at Hull. He's been at Barnsley. Uh, he's got a long career ahead of him, hasn't he, Angus? And and you know we hope to see a lot of it. He, you know, uh, he's one of those players that that you saw had potential, but obviously worked hard to bring it out. Yeah. And, and you get the move, don't you? Yes, you do. Yeah, works out well. And yeah, Alexander Burke. <laughs> Absolutely. And alongside him, one of the most popular players ever to play for Talk United, big Darren Moore. Darren Moore is in yes. there. Yes, this is. <laughs> you see, you were so excited then, I've no idea what you said. What a team this is. It's a great team, isn't it? Great team. Uh, Darren Moore, 124 games for Torquay. He, um, he'd come to us as a YTS it was then, wasn't it? Yeah, the the uh, John James Brummy route. He played internationally. He played for Jamaica. Yeah, played for Jamaica. After us, he played for Doncaster when he went up there with um, Colcombe and Derby. He played for Bradford, Pompey, West Brom, Derby, Barnsley and Burton. Managed West Brom. Almost kept them up in 2018. He was shamefully and scandalously sacked when they were fourth in the league the following season. Um, and he's at Doncaster now, isn't he? Is he at Doncaster? I think... Believe I, it, I, I couldn't tell you. Believe um, he's at my, my biggest memory of Darren Moore, apart from everyone shouting Bruno, Bruno. Mm-hmm. Of course, it, to, uh, to to West Brom fans, he became Big Dave, but to us, yeah. it was Bruno. Um, but um, the 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 main main memory I have is that that away leg of the uh, the, the playoff semi final at Preston North End, well, where yeah. he picked up a red card yeah. for apparently. Apparently, uh, punching uh, a certain Mr. Rayner. Paul Rayner, yeah, yeah. Um, we were flying. We we won two 0 I think, in the first leg of that game, and we all went up to Preston thinking that this is it. We're going to Wembley again, and uh, uh, it was in the end. It was four one. I think we went three 0 up, and then it, uh, it was three all at full time, and the the away goal yeah. didn't count. 
90 minutes. It counted after extra time, which uh, is unusual nowadays. Um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that, that that was the end of our our, uh, our promotion push. It was um, on the what was also one of the last ever games on a plastic pitch until they started coming back again recently. Yeah, I've still got um, a bit of that plastic pitch somewhere in this uh, in this building. Somebody's uh -huh. brought a piece back, and I've got a a strip of that plastic pitch. But that, I have to say that was one of the scariest moments of football I've ever had because we were in that caged off um, away section and when Preston won, a lot of people came onto the pitch with Stanley knives to cut up the pitch. <laughs> you wondered, you yeah. wondered how they got into the ground with Stanley yeah. knives. Yeah, absolutely. Shocker. But if I mean Darren Moy, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. If if you they say you should never meet your heroes, but if you ever find yourself at a bus stop or in a chip shop queue or whatever with Darren Moore, just have a chat with him. He is such a nice guy. He's genuinely one of the nicest people you'll ever have a chat to. Um fabulous yeah. fella, Darren Moore. Always welcome at Playmore too. Good Excellent guy. stuff. So so with Incredible player are we coming up with next? Oh, they just they just get better and better. The, into the midfield. The gentleman by the name of Steve Morale starts off the midfield. Uh Torquay hey, United yeah. 1972 to 1977. 175 yeah, games. You it's before your time, mate. Yeah, just just a bit before my time, I think. But he's a local lad. He was an old boy of Torquay Boys Grammar School. Uh, university graduate, but uh, had a, a fruitful professional football career after that. Good player. Uh, Donald Murphy is in this midfield. He was at Torquay 78 to 82. Came from Coventry. Good player. Came from Coventry. Um, he played for Argyle and Blackburn Rovers after us. He played for the Republic of Ireland. And he was another one of those uh, players where, uh, thanks to uh, an old programme cutting, we can see a little bit of his uh, his private life. He likes watching TV, he likes playing snooker, and uh, he, or his original job was as a carpet layer. Programmes don't come up with that kind of information anymore, do they? No, and, and it's considered cheesy, isn't it? Those, those it is. kind of facts. I no, love it. Like little, little eight facts about a player. Yeah. And actually... 40, 50 years down the line, reading it again, it gives you a lot more information about the person, doesn't it? Than, uh, it does. Well, an in-depth article about, about the way they play football. I haven't been able to get that image of Les Lawrence and his Cortina 1600E out of my head for the last week. <laughs> uh, but the two probably better known midfielders then, uh, Steve McCall is in there. Uh, Steve McCall, who was part of the playoff team, who scored the most incredible goal against Scarborough. Yeah. The Rodney Jack goals are rightly revered, but McCall's goal, I had a look at that this morning as well. Couple of touches, turn inside, takes a little step, left foot, curls the ball into the top corner of the net, an inch beyond the goalkeeper's uh, outstretched fingers and an inch under the bar. It could not be more perfect. It's just just a Absolute, great, great uh, goal. Into the game as well, hadn't he? I mean, he, he he came to us from Plymouth, didn't he? But he, yeah. his, his time with which he played in European Cups and all sorts. Yeah, he was a really, really good player. One of those players that you would say was cultured. You know, he he was just yeah. he he was quite a long way into his career when he came to us. But everything he did on the pitch was considered. 
Um, you know, he never wasted a pass. He probably didn't pl- put the ball out of play more than about twice in, in a season. He was just just a, a terrific player. And alongside him in the midfield, the sixth most appearances for Torquay United in the uh, the table of players. A former player of the year, former captain, 391 games for Torquay between 2006 and 2014, Lee Mansell. Um, of course. You know, another, another player, you go back and you think of uh, players who've had a huge impact on the club over the years. And Lee Mansell would be one of them, wouldn't you? I mean, an industrious midfield player. Really good captain, um, you know. It, it galvanised some teams that sometimes weren't the best and turned them into better teams. I think. Yeah, quite, quite. Um, he had he had some facets to his game as well, so he could play in quite a few positions, couldn't he? I mean, uh, he, he he was a midfielder and a defender during his time at Torquay, and, and quite an influential figure in, in the in the dressing room, I think, as well. He had one great season as well, didn't he? Well, I think it was the Rene Howe season where he was playing he was playing on, on, on the front foot. He was playing sort of at the top of the diamond, if you like, in midfield, and he suddenly started scoring goals. Um and yeah. that was that was probably his best season, I think. No, good player, good player. And good of course player. he went he, he went to Bristol Rovers after us and um maybe we it, he left us too soon. Okay, and up front in this team, okay, you talk about a stellar team. We've got a player who is uh, in the top 10 goal scorers for Torquay, in the top 10 appearances for Torquay, and alongside him a player, the only player that I could find who has more goals than appearances for Torquay. Okay, we'll start with Don, start with Don Mills. Don Mills. Okay, so legend, yeah. Legend, 90, in the top five. 1948 to 1962. Sorry, mate. It's it's, Sorry, the, it's the delay on our um on our our, our bubble here. Um, Forty eight to sixty two, three hundred and sixty seven games, eighty four goals. He first of all came on loan from Queens Park Rangers. Uh, he played played for Cardiff, played for Leeds. He's eighth in the all time top scorers, and he's ninth in the all time appearances. And he's an absolute Playmore legend, isn't he? Of course, went on to be a trainer as well afterwards. Uh, Anyone, anyone who saw him play, and obviously we didn't, but anyone who did that uh, I've spoken to uh, said he was an absolute class player. Yeah, yeah. So we'll team him up alongside a player who scored, who only played four games for us, but managed to score five goals in those four games. He went to my oh, old. He went to my old school. He played for Torquay United and Wales. So he kind of living the dream. It's got to be key for more, hasn't it? Yeah, what 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 an impact he played. Yeah, and you know uh, we were whiskers away apparently from signing him for the following season. Yeah, uh, on a full time, and then uh, money men Ipswich came in and made a, an offer that he couldn't refuse, and he went there instead. But apparently Kevin Nicholson had it all done and dusted more or less, yeah. and then the phone call came from uh, the bigger club. But oh, what an impact! That hat, that hat trick. Yeah. Oh, well. And the the great thing is that for his, I mean, when he goes on, because he will have a long career. He he played out of the league for quite a long time. He played at Truro. He played for Paynton Saints. He played for Truro, Dorchester, Yeovil, Viking Stavanger. Um, but but then from Forest Green Rovers, he got his his little loan move to Torquay. He got his hat trick against Solihull Moors, and then as you say, Ipswich came in for him. And um, it's the sky's the limit for him, isn't it? Barnsley, Wigan, he's a Welsh international now. 
you get the feeling that there are other moves to come in his career, aren't there? Yeah, decent player, strong player. Yeah. I mean, those headers. Yeah. Um, all of them were, were head, they? Oh, fantastic. Uh, it was, um, I think, uh, uh, Butler, um, I can't remember his, his first name, but the cross from Butler for Dan. one of those hat-trick goals. Oh, Dan, but was it Dan um, Butler? Was, was Dan, it Dan Butler there? Dan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from the left side of midfield. Absolutely perfect cross, and he just just towers into that ball and buries it with his head. Proper, proper, proper forward. Proper centre forward. Getting across the defender yeah. at the near post, getting the headers in, and um, he's not afraid to try something a bit unusual as well with his uh, his back heel flicks and what have you. Great player. Don Mills and Kiefer Moore. You, you, you'd go into battle with Don Mills and Kiefer Moore up front, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Very much, yeah. So the subs bench, as we, um, as, as okay. we, we're clocking up the time here, but the subs bench, Sean McDonald, of course, is on the subs bench, our goalkeeper. Yeah. Only kept out of the first choice team by Mike Mahoney, and that's not a bad thing. Alan McLaughlin is the other World Cup attendee he was there in 94 as part of the republic of ireland world cup squad he played yeah. in played of course in the Bryn game um played 24 games for us scored four goals along the way um i see aldershot come up in the next one sean mcginty is on our bench as well uh, yeah. he, i like sean mcginty i thought he was a player i did he'd been a contemporary of paul pogba uh, old trafford in pogba's first spell up there hadn't he when he was a young lad. How right. Yeah, sliding doors. Their careers kind of went in slightly different directions. But uh, after leaving us, uh, Sean McGinty, he went to Partick Thistle and he's at Morton at the moment. If football ever resumes again, he'll be playing for, uh, for Morton. So let's hope he does well up there. Next on the bench, Ian Morris. Irish player, uh, played for Blackpool, Chesterfield, Scunthorpe, came to us 2011 to 2013. I'll be honest, I was always a bit disappointed by Ian Morris. I was away. I was away. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't remember too much about him. Uh, I, I understand he didn't quite do what you expected. No, it's, it's not something I like to say. I mean, I wouldn't be very happy if people came around and, and poked around in my work and said, well, I'm a bit disappointed in that. So I, I don't like to say it. But even Ian Morris always thought there was much more to him than um, than he gave us at Playmore. But he's had a good yeah. career after leaving Playmore. He's, uh, he's played in Ireland, Shelbourne and Bohemians. So uh, hopefully things have worked out well for him. But there was always more, I thought, that he didn't give us. Yeah. And then father and son. Completing the bench, Cliff Myers, who's a, a, another legend at Yeovil. Um, he was given a free transfer by Charlton when he came down to Torquay. He was uh, in Torquay from 73 to 76, played 94 games and uh, went on to run a very successful bar in Rhodes, uh, which was visited by a lot of Torquay United fans. He's not with us any longer, Cliff, very sadly. But um, his bar in Rhodes was a, a proper... A haven for Torquay fans whenever they were over there. So, uh, and then Chris was um, the year above me at Audley Park, and uh, I was in gold, and I, he broke one of my fingers. Really shot. <laughs> yes, I think we did that before. They see there are very few podcasts that give you this level of detail on um, on your players of the past. On the, on the, on the, it really was a. Uh, a first a first G plastic pitch that we used yeah. to have. It was like a rubber crumb. Oh, I remember. I remember playing on that. It was made of old tires melted yeah. down or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That was ridiculous. You just lose half of the skin on your leg. Yeah, absolutely. But Chris Myers, of course, uh, played 135 games. Played more games than his dad did uh, for Torquay. And he was in the team that won at Wembley in 91. Went on to Dundee United. Yep. Played for Exeter. Um, thoroughly nice guy again. So, yeah, so players who didn't make it, and then we'll move on to the management. Tommy Mitchinson doesn't even make it onto the bench. Tommy Mitch, the uh, midfielder, 68-72. He scored goal of the month once, if I remember rightly. Torquay, one of Torquay's very rare appearances on Match of the Day. And Tommy Mitchinson piling one into the top corner, I believe, was goal of the month. It's probably, well, almost certainly the only time that ever happened. Russell Musker didn't make it into the team. Yeah. Uh, managed Taunton to the FA Vars in 2001 another player who's put a lot into the local game hasn't he Russell he's been involved with a lot of local clubs been a manager around a lot, a lot of clubs yeah Dean Mooney um, a proper unit Dean Mooney yeah. the second time we're going to mention Viking Stavanger uh, he played in the Norwegian Cup final in 1979 he played for Haugar against Viking Stavanger there's a little known wow. fact about Dean Mooney but um, he was a unit. He was a, a big, big lad, sort of a striker that you wouldn't really have wanted to defend against. Chris McPhee is another player with steeped in local football connections. Um, and he's, he's, of course, he scored for Ebbs Fleet against Torquay in the 2008 trophy final. And he's another player who ha whose career included a spell at your favourite team up in Hampshire. Oh. Old, older shot. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, uh, he, the last last time I heard of him, I, I'm sure he's still playing around somewhere. But he was playing for Buckland last season. Yeah. Not, not last season, one that's just been curtailed, but the season before. Player called Simon Milton, who only played four games for us on loan from Ipswich uh, back in '87, but when he played 300 odd games for Ipswich, he's a big uh, big character wow. at Portman Road. But we had him briefly on loan. I remember him as well. I, I thought he played more than four games. But he really was a good player. You could see it even then. Uh, and he's gone on to have a really good career. And the last man, you'd have to have Don Mills and Kiefer Moore up front to keep John Marquis out of your team. Of course. Yeah, yeah. He only played five games on loan for us, scored three goals for us. Uh, he was at Millwall at the time. If you look at his career, he spent such a long time out on loan at various other clubs. Um, but he moved to Doncaster. He's at Portsmouth at the moment. Uh Good player, will score a lot of goals. Good striker, John Marquis, and a proper joker in the dressing room. Apparently, never good quite, stuff. Good stuff. never sure if that's a good thing or not. You know, when a player's uh, career detail says he's a right joker in the dressing room, you kind of wonder whether that's a manager's euphemism for something. But I also think you can have, you can be a joker in the dressing room and it works, but you can also be a joker in the dressing room and it doesn't. There, yeah, there can be two jokers. I mean. And the management team, of course, we've got this this letter M right in the middle of the alphabet is uh, is stellar. We have Roy McFarlane, um, of course, who uh, July oh, July two thousand and one to April two thousand and two, and built the squad that, as you said the other day, built kind of built most of the squad that Leroy then went on and coached and turned into a promotion tide. And gave me my job at Torquay United. And gave you your job at Torquay United. So he's obviously a good guy. 26% yeah. win record he has. I, um, I, I, I love spending away games when uh, the players are sent to bed at whatever time it was and the directors would sit up with a couple of glasses of wine. I, I, just, just chewing the fat. I used to love listening to Roy talk. He, he, knew, he knew his stuff. He was yeah. very, very, very good. 
Stuart Morgan, of course, Stuart, uh, who had played for Torquay, played 14 games for Torquay on loan from West Ham in 1969, then came back and managed Torquay through 96 pretty gruelling games, ending with the, with the Bryn game. Um, his win ratio, according to TorquayFanStats.com, 20.83, so not the best, but not the worst by far. Um, and no. a, a, another... Remembered really for being the manager of that that team that, that stayed up on the last day, but um, yeah. Malcolm Musgrove was manager from uh, the beginning of 1973 to the end of 76, 188 games yeah. and a 32.45% win rate, which isn't right. bad, not bad. Right. And he had some good players in those teams as well. That was uh, kind. Of, that was that was those were the mini stand days, the Malcolm Musgrove days. Yeah. And finally, Eddie May, who had us from November 95 to May 96, 32 games. And according to ChalkyFanStats.com, a 9.38% win rate, which I think is the worst of the lot. So poor old Eddie May, he had a pretty torrid time at Playmore. But, uh, yeah, he did. But, uh, I remember, I think I was at his debut game away at Cambridge. Um, I was living in Norwich at the time and hitched down, 95 it would have been around then. And uh, yeah, uh, he didn't. Wasn't wasn't didn't have the best time at Torquay. Are we are we going to mention before before we stop or stop on the managers Percy Mackerel? Percy Mackerel, of course. I thought there was something fishy about that. Yeah, well, Percy was the manager at Torquay United when they won promotion to the Football League. He was the player manager and he played in six games that season. Brilliant. I. Uh, you, I can't speak. <laughs> Percy's such a legend that uh, my friend Stephen Badcock named his six-a-side a team after them, and they were they were Percy Mackerel or Mackerel United or something for years. But no, I, th- I think he's worth a mention because he yeah. was he was South African. He was so he was our he was our first league manager, and he was our, our first international manager. There you go. What better note to end on than Percy Mackerel? Nineteen twenty-seven. I see. I, I've already, my journalist pun machine is working on mackerel finding the net and all kinds of things like that now. So I'd better now's as good a time as any to uh, to call a halt to proceedings. I think. I, so I'm, I'm waiting for. I, I was trying to think of some puns, but they're, they're flooding in. I can't. <laughs> I can't do. Thanks for your time, everybody. We hope I hope the podcast has found you well again. As I say, you've got unless. Something ma- massive happens at Playmore. We'll give you a week off next week uh, and we'll be back with the letter N in a fortnight's time. Uh, and there, there may be signings by then, do you think? Um, who knows? Let's see what happens with this meeting today. Um, this meeting might clear up a lot of things. Um, I mean, there are a lot of teams that won't be involved in the playoffs. And if they're not, and teams who aren't, who are told they're not going to be relegated as well, perhaps. So, Suddenly, their seasons are over, and players can be released. And you know, you never know. We might be interested in one or two of those, and and now we can sign them. So we'll see. Let's and see at some happens. point, they can make a decision on when training can start again. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep you posted, either in the Herald Express pages of the Herald Express or on the podcast. In the meantime, come on, you yellows. You have been listening to the Devon Live Herald Express Talker United Yellow Army podcast, recorded weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. You can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website, and you can subscribe to us at iTunes. 
Please leave a review wherever you see us. We welcome all feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. We always like to know what you think of the Yellow Army podcast. Please join us next time.